in the cup. When it goes down smoothly, at the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your mind will utter perverse things. You're not your own. This isn't my own body. Be careful what we put into us. Careful what we put in. Fleshly desires, sensuality, licentiousness. These are big Bible words. We talked about this at camp last week. These things are happening today. These idolatries have not gone away. Back here with these people, those Canaanite, you go, how could they worship that? Listen, if that's how you were raised, that's how you'd have thought. These Canaanite fertility rites, they were tough to say no to. That's why they didn't. The passions of the flesh. Man, 1 Peter 2.11, that's one of my favorite verses. Passions of the flesh. Do not take them lightly. They wage war against the soul. We would have struggled with the same thing that these people did. And instead of turning and trusting to Jehovah, Israel turns to their wooden images and their rods. Dark arts of witchcraft interwoven with this as well. Just stay under the shelter of God. Do what Moses commanded. He said, destroy completely all the places on the high mountains and on the hills and under every spreading tree where the nations you are disposing worship their gods. And Israel chose the shadows of all those trees and the mountains over the shadow that Jehovah gives us. And they sacrificed themselves, of course, their children and their future. All of it. Tim and I, I keep bringing him up. When we're talking about this class and getting this started, we said, who is this open to? Is this just an adult class? No, we want kids, middle school, up. There are some mature things in this book. We cannot imagine a cult orgy of decadence and going to church to partake of that. Can't. It's a terrible thing. Personal defilement under the cloak of church worship It's awful. The men themselves go apart with harlots. The very men who should have been leading for the Lord were held to a greater punishment because they led their daughters and wives into this evil. Men, Jason, it, it's up to, we're the priests. Booth, don't ever quit. Don't, don't quit for the Lord. Dude, you do great things, and I appreciate you. We have to be the tip of the spear. All of us together are in the priesthood, but us men in particular, it is up to us. Pray for me. Pray for all of us. And if you don't think that the Lord loves you enough to let you go, if you want to, 
Read Romans 1. He'll let you go if you want to. That's the God we worship. Judah, be warned. This is verse 15. Heads up. Pay attention to the warning I'm giving Israel. Don't make it a practice going towards vain places. Do not value the valueless. Said that a thousand times. Here's one of your word plays. When you get into Beth Avon, remember that means house of vanities. Here's your word play. Instead of Beth El, Bethel, house of God, once a sacred place, completely defiled. And you go back, you say, how did this happen? Jeroboam, the first, first Kings 12, you want to get back and read on that? Dan and Bethel. And Amos, here's one of his admonitions. Seek me and, leave, and live. Do not seek Bethel. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not journey to Beersheba. For Gilgal will surely go into exile and Bethel will be reduced to nothing. And just because you say, as Jehovah lives, I swear, in the name of God. No, just because you say that, you're going to try to bind yourself to him with, with your empty words. You are guilty of perjury. This is a lawsuit against these people. And you've missed what you could have been if you believed in me. This is what Jeremiah encouraged the nation to do. This is in chapter 4, verse 2. You must be truthful, honest, and upright when you take an oath saying, as surely as Jehovah lives. If you do, the nations will pray to be as blessed by him as you are and will make him the object of their boasting. Look around at the myriads of people chasing after vain things. It is time, Jason. Break up the fallow ground, you know? Stop sowing among the thorns. You stubborn, backsliding heifer. Look in the mirror tomorrow and say that to yourself. You may think, uh, let me start this day over. You stubborn, backsliding heifer. What? You've rebelled against me. You're so headstrong in your wrongdoing. I've actually done that. People that know me well enough know I've done it. Not today, but I'll do it when I get home. Instead of being like a trusting lamb, you dug in against me, says Jehovah. It is very interesting here when He's using them in a negative way about the calf that's so hard-headed that you worship. And so it's a picture of itself. They, the nation, represented natural, untamed strength, which, when put to service, started back and shrank from the yoke. They wouldn't even walk up the ramp in their service to God. Really? My yoke is easy. Why are you pulling away from me? Intractable, petulant, unruly, wanton Israel withdrew from the yoke when it could. 
And if it could not, it drew aside or backward instead of forwards. They were always kicking against the goads. Better said, listen to this. So is it rare, exceedingly rare, for us to walk straight on in God's ways. We jerk, writhe, twist, dart aside here and there, hating nothing so much as one straight, even narrow tenor of his ways. And because of their obstinate heart, you're going to be like a lamb in a large open space, completely vulnerable, hopeless. Ephraim, remember, Ephraim stands for the nation. It's another way to keep that in mind here. Ephraim is hopeless, hopelessly joined to the idols that you worship. Woe is it to that man whom, when he withdraws from Christ's easy yoke, God permits to take unhindered the broad road which leadeth to destruction. Their liquor's gone. This is verse 18. Souring in their stomachs, think of milk, sick from its side effects. Your silver has become dross. This is Isaiah here. Your choice wine is diluted with water. And they continue undeterred, headlong into their harlotry. No sense of shame. Proverbs says it this way. Kings detest wrongdoing for a throne is established through righteousness. Listen to me here with this quote. Avarice and luxury are continually banded together according to the saying, covetous of another's prodigal of his own. Yet it were perhaps more correct to render her rulers do love, do love shame. They love that which brings shame, which is bound up in shame and ends in it. And so the prophet says that they love the shame itself. They act as if they were in love with the shame, which all their lives long, they are unceasingly and as it were by system, drawing upon themselves. I hear about systems. Listen, we got the same systemic problems that these people had. Self-centered presumptuousness and pride. And we're carried away in the wings to the wind that we sow to, just like a tornado. Gone. And it is a shameful end to their idolatry. That's chapter four. We've got to keep going. This is intense and real. Hear this, O priest, and hearken, house of Israel and house of the king. Give ear, for on you is the sentence. You who have hitherto been the judges, this time shall be judged. And this echoes right back. It's very similar to verse one of chapter four. The Lord Jehovah saying, listen up. Their corruption was discoverable in every aspect of their lives. And they were getting everything they deserved. And it was inevitable. And it was completely justified. Idolatry. Everywhere. Not just the people. 
the priest, the house of the king, among the princes of the king's household. It's interesting here. I wish we had more time when you just get into Mizpah and Tabor. And it's really fun to kind of get lost in some of these back stories. But just a little taste because I had to be reminded of, well, why Mizpah and Tabor here, Lord? Well, if you think of where Mizpah is on a map, you're thinking southeast area. Think Jacob and Laban when he was coming after the Euphrates. You think about Mount Tabor, northwest of the Jordan. The whole nation. I got you coming and going. Any way you come and go. And there's a lot of thought to think the Mount Tabor was the transfiguration, that mountain. And you go back, some spare time, read Genesis 31. You want to unpack this story? How did these people get to this point? Well, I blame Satan, but I blame Rachel. What? She's a sweet girl. I'm sure she was. But when she was running with Jacob from Laban, the idolatry goes all the way back to her. She's the one that stole the household idols from her father. What? Yes. And then sat on him and hid while he was looking. It was, it's a great story. Genesis 31. That's where this started. And here they are, about to be destroyed. And again, Mount Tabor, Barak, and that deliverance. Major historical landmarks here. And these people would have understood their history and realized from where they once were, you mean to tell me from the mountain where Jesus himself was transfigured, it's done? Yeah. There's an old Jewish tradition that says, liars in wait were set in these two places to intercept and murder those Israelites who would go up to worship at Jerusalem. Imagine that. That you had people waiting to murder you for coming here tonight. Now you better kill me because I'm going to be angry. We ought to be very thankful to be sitting here peacefully bettering ourselves through the book of Hosea. Your sin is all-encompassing, so I, Jehovah, will be the scourge of you all. And this murderous tradition, you get right into the next verse. This is verse 2. The rebels are deep in slaughter. Now you see this traction beginning to take place with this. I will discipline all of them. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I know Ephraim. Israel's not hidden from me. For now, you've played the harlot, Ephraim. Israel is defiled. And these worship, these places of worship on the high places, and again, let's just say they're throwing Jehovah a bone, and there is a little bit of worship with him. It was for Baal. It was for someone else. And the priesthood had a vested interest in having these type of places all over the place for them to worship. Convenience. 
And boy, don't we know about that. Their deeds will not let them return to their God. This is verse four. For a harlot spirit is in their midst and Jehovah, for all their oaths by him, they have not known. But the pride of Israel shall testify to his face, shall be humbled to his face, and Israel and Ephraim shall stumble by their guilt. Stumble also shall Judah with them. Jehovah was their pride. And instead of maintaining him as their pride, they made it themselves. Their prosperity sometimes is a hindrance. With their sheep and their cattle, they go about to seek Jehovah, shall not find him. He hath drawn off from them. You think back to when they left Egypt. They took everything, all the livestock with them in a wilderness, and you're provided for it. Now, it doesn't matter what livestock you bring to me. It, it's over. It's done. I've withdrawn myself from you. Your search for me now? This is Jehovah talking. It's too late. Anytime there can be the end. Are you listening? Hark, the sound of war. It reaches all the way to the back of the land. Hosea is seeing this punishment fall on these people. It's coming from inside and out, warning after warning. God pleads with us. How many times has the Lord forgiven Jason Powell? Don't answer that, Michelle. She knows too many. And I love you. But think about that. This is us. Jehovah, he says what he's going to do and how it's going to end up. You're going to be desolate. You're going to feel my wrath on your princes. You have removed the landmarks which distinguish right from wrong. And again, if you want to get me started, a nation unlike our own wants to tear down its history. Doesn't end well. Didn't end well for Israel. Moth, maggots in the translation that we read. I don't know about you. I can deal with a little moth. I have some of those in my closet. They like to nibble the bottom part of my jackets. Need some cedar chips for Christmas. But maggots, that's a whole nother level. Rottenness, nasty. This is their sin. This is what Jehovah thinks about our sin. And now you're going to go after your lover to the north in Assyria, King Jerob, Striver. See how that works out for you. And as slowly as the moth or the maggots may kind of rot away something, then you think about now Hosea's talking about a lion. A lion of Judah is about to do some work on his people. Ferocious, hungry lion. Nobody wants to be in a lion's den. And Daniel may have something to say about that. Jeremiah says it this way. A lion has gone up from its thicket and a destroyer of nations has set out. He has gone out from his place to make your land a waste. Your cities will be in ruins without inhabitant. That's Jeremiah 4, 7. 
It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And there's great emphasis here, and you guys are doing great with hanging in there. When Jehovah says, I, even I, God, not the man. I bring everything that's good, and I'm going to bring everything that's harsh on you. When he who is mercy says, done with that, no more mercy. Avenge, I will. Hmm. How do we draw Jehovah? Here's our happy ending. The story ends well. Spoiler alert. It's rough here in the middle of this book, but it ends well for us. So I don't want us to think too long about what we talked about. Here's your take home. You want your three take homes? That's how I hear you have to do these things. Admit your guilt. Acknowledge your offense, okay? That's one. Seek my face humbly. Come home. Come home and I, Jehovah, will return to thee. Or I'll take away my Shekinah. And the temple will be worthless. You, the temple, will be worthless. Come, lament, and wail Let us return, we're in chapter 6 now, with sincerity unto the Lord Jehovah. You want revival in your personal life, in your spiritual life right now? Hosea just said how to do it. All right, see, we're done a little early. Comments, questions? Here's one. Vaughn, you've waited so, should should I give you this mic? I'll walk closer to you. It occurred to me in, in verse 12 when it says the spirit of harlotry has led them astray. I was thinking of the spirit that I've seen sweep through this nation, the spirit of fear, the spirit of anger, the spirit of division, how it swept through the culture and people were so caught up in it that they were losing sight of things. And when I see this, the spirit of harlotry had swept through that nation to where they were just all caught up in it. And I, but I see how it can happen because it's been real in a reality in our world for some time now. These spirits that take hold in society. They are very real. Bruce Arnold. I think it's worth reinforcing the, the temptation, I think, is to look at the nation of Israel, the nation of Judah, and to compare that to the nation of the United States. But the United States has never been married to God. They have never been in a covenant relationship with God. And this should be much more personal to us. God's covenant people. That should be where the alarm bells are ringing in our minds. We are God's covenant people. We're married to Him. And He has a very emotional attachment to us. And thus we must have that same emotional attachment to Him. That's where the real warning is in in, in this story. Amen.
Hosea is speaking to us. We, we're the people, so it's, it's to us. Anyone else? Yes, senior. There's a higher standard to the priest. He's really holding them uh, to the fire. He's talking about the people, the common people. And maybe I understand that the priests and the priests in northern Israel had gone bad from the beginning. And all they did was get worse and worse and worse. And these are supposed to be the people of God giving them the Word of God. So these priests are giving them a form of God to some extent. They still have their new moves. They still have their sacrifices. They still have some form of God worship. And God says, look at your life. Look at what you're doing. Nothing you can offer to me right now is going to bring you back to me until you change your heart. And it's going to be the priest that should be leading that. And they're not. Because they're getting fat off of this. They're enjoying, it says in there, you're eating. You're eating because they're sacrificing and you're enjoying really that eating because they're sacrificing so much. And all you're doing is getting fat off. You're eating. So he's really holding the priest guilty along with the priest. Or the priesthood. A royal priesthood. Thank you guys for being here tonight. Okay, so next week, chapter 6. Hope you can come back. We're just going to close with a quick word of prayer. Thank you so much for your comments and your great encouragement. Father, we come to you through our Savior and your Son, and we thank you so much for moments like these when we can encourage ourselves to be better people, servants, willing to be yoked to you, willing to be humble as people, and collectively we can do great things for you in this sphere of influence that we've been given here in this place. And so we thank you for that, and we pray, Holy Spirit, that you just work in our lives in, in those unique ways. We thank you, Jesus, for your blood shed for us on Calvary. Bless us the rest of this evening and this week as we look for opportunities to serve you, Lord Jehovah, in your powerful name, Jesus, we live and pray.